So who's going to lead USC in 2023? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we're free. I appreciate your support so much. And if you want to become a free subscriber, it's super easy when you're watching on YouTube. Hit that red subscribe button. Locked On USC comes at you five times a week. I know you're going to like that, so hit that thumbs up. Both mean a whole heck of a lot to the show. And for all of you everyday loyal viewers and listeners, you might notice some new, a little bit of a new look here. A little bit more of a streamline graphics going on. Hope you like it. Tell me what you think. Love the feedback. So, intro to the show. I ask, who's going to lead USC? We know Lincoln Riley's the head coach. We know Caleb Williams is the quarterback. My question is, who's going to lead USC in receptions, touchdowns, Yards gained. Uh, I'm going to ask that among the uh, different position groups. And then, you know, on defense, who will be leading tackler, interceptions, that type of stuff. So let's start on offense because that's everybody has an idea. Everyone, I, I think, truly understands and believes that USC will be a, an offensive team. And if the defense decides to tag along and come along for the ride, Awesome. We invite you. We look forward to it. <laughs> May it happen. So let's just start with the wide receiver group. Last year's leading wide receiver, Jordan Addison, he's now a Minnesota Viking. He led USC uh, with 59 catches, 875 yards, and eight touchdowns. And that was in limited time. Remember, he missed a few games. Uh, as well as he chose not to play in the Cotton Bowl so he could prepare for the NFL draft. USC's next three wide receivers, they were kind of bunched together as far as statist uh, the statistics are concerned. You had Taj Washington was the second leading receiver, 50 receptions, 785 yards, six touchdowns. Mario Williams, 40, 631, and five touchdowns. And then Brendan Rice was the... Um, was the fourth leading receiver. He had 39 receptions, 611 yards, and four touchdowns. Now, a nice chunk of that came uh, towards the end of the year and specifically in that Cotton Bowl performance. After those guys, this is who uh, Caleb Williams gets to choose from. He's got Michael Jackson the third. He's got Kyron Hudson Ware. Um, those are the returning guys. And then you've got a couple, you know, a few freshmen. You've got Zachariah Branch, you've got Makai Lemon, and then Deuce Robinson, even though he's listed at tight end, he'll, you'll see him lined up uh, in a wide receiver role, I assume, this season. And then joining those guys, you have the transfer from Arizona, Dorian Singer, the former walk-on at Arizona. Well, in 2022, that former walk-on, <laughs> uh, he would have been USC's leading wide receiver. 66 receptions, 1,105 yards, and six touchdowns. That 1,100 yards, that's 16, almost 17 yards per reception. 
In fact, uh, he was tied for the Pac-12 lead with five receptions of at least 40 yards uh, and with 11 for at least 30 yards. And then he led the league with 21 catches for at least 20 yards or more. That's production. So Caleb Williams, Rio, Mario Williams, they came uh, together from Oklahoma. And Brendan uh, showed what he's capable of, as I mentioned, in the Cotton Bowl. So I'm going to go with Singer will lead USC in yards. Brendan Rice will have the most touchdowns. And either Taj or Mario will actually end up with the most receptions. So, yeah, there I am. I'm sitting on the fence. i got to pick favorites amongst them all. It's Look, I'm going to have... I'll, I might change my tune by the time fall camp arrives. You never know. But right now, I would definitely put Singer as the, uh, as far as probably leader in yards. After that, what we can agree on is uh, Caleb Williams has a lot of choices. <laughs> and he's going to be able, hopefully he'll be spreading the wealth around. So what about toting the rocket running back? Well, Austin Jones led the running back group, believe this or not. Last year, he had 25 catches. Die had 21. So we know he's capable of catching the ball. But I'm talk, we're going to talk strictly about running the ball right now. So Jones was second in rushing behind Travis Dye's 884 yards and nine touchdowns. That was before his season-ending injury. Jones uh, rushed 135 times. He had 705 yards, five touchdowns. Pretty productive. And I'm sh not sure if anybody is aware of this, but Caleb Williams was actually third on the team in rushing. 113 carries for 382 yards. He led everybody with 10 touchdowns. Um, he also had the longest run of the year, 59 yards. It was a costly rush. Um, I think we know what happened at the end of that 59-yard run. But here's a little bonus question stat for you. Guess who had the second longest run of the season? I'll answer that at the end of this segment. So Travis Dye is gone. Marshawn Lloyd um, comes in, and he's going to pair up with Austin Jones because Austin's returning with uh, Darwin Barlow and Rayleigh Brown, and then you got a couple of talented freshmen in Quinton Joyner and Amarian Peterson. Marshawn Lloyd's stats at South Carolina. These were in nine games. One of the, um, you know, and I'm using finger quotes, concerns uh, with Marshawn Lloyd is he has not been able to stay healthy since he's been at South Carolina. Last year, nine games, 111 carries, 573 yards, nine touchdowns. Here's a question. When was the last time USC had 2,000-yard rushers in the same season? I know the last time USC had Reggie and Lindale's 1,700 yards and 1,300 yards, respectively, rushing. So here, I guess the the question is, can Caleb Williams win the Heisman Trophy again with 2,000-yard rushers? We're going to find out how prolific USC's offense can, can be this coming season. I'm going to go. Austin Jones will have the most yards. Marshawn Lloyd will be right behind him but he's going to have more touchdowns. I'm, hopefully the running backs have more rushing touchdowns than Caleb Williams. I would love for Caleb Williams just to have the most passing touchdowns, and let's spread the wealth. 
let everybody get let everybody get a taste, so to speak. Uh, what I would like to do is save Caleb's legs, and if I don't have to have him, you know, plowing in, you know, underneath center, one yard out, I'd be I feel a lot better. Give it to the running back. So look, um, like I said. I anticipate Austin Jones leading in yards, Marshawn Lloyd with most touchdowns. And what's really great about this is the depth with Darwin Barlow and the freshman behind those guys. And you got Rayleigh Brown's versatility. You know, I don't even know how many times he'll carry the ball, but you're going to see him moving all over the place, which is really neat. Again, USC has a chance to have a really prolific offense this year. A lot of, a lot of things to work with, a lot of skill players. We know Caleb is going to do Caleb stuff, so that's going to be fun to watch. So there's really no need to try and put a number on his stats. Um, Caleb has tried to throw some numbers out there. If he reaches those numbers, watch out. So who's going to have – here's last uh, last question on offense. Who will have the most touchdowns between the two freshmen, Zachariah Branch and Deuce Robinson? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm going to go Zach Branch just because he has the ability to get some on special teams as well. Oh, by the way, the answer to that bonus question, the second longest run of the season in 2022, that belongs to Michael Jackson the third, MJ3, 53 yards. Real quickly, let's switch over to defense. Uh, Mason Cobb, he's going to lead the team in tackles. Um, dramatic pause only because he did that at Okie State, Oklahoma State, and I anticipate him doing the same here. He's just a tackling machine. As the coaching staff said, he was made to play middle linebacker. Kalen, Willi uh, Kalen Bullock, excuse me, I do not want to see Caleb Williams <laughs> playing, uh, going both ways this year. Uh, Kalen will, again, lead the team in interceptions. I'm going to predict he has at least five. Earlier, uh, way back when in my, uh, I was asked, you know, who would lead USC in sacks? Well, I said Tyrone Tulaney. But that was a long time ago, and that was pre-Bear Alexander, pre-Anthony Lucas, pre-Jack Sullivan, pre-defensive roster turnover. Today, it's a bear market. There's my answer. Bear Alexander will lead the team in sacks. Hey, uh, the NBA Finals, they're here. They're started. You need to make a really fast break. I mean a really quick fast break over to FanDuel during these playoffs before they end because when they end, as a new customer, I don't know if you're going to get this no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Let me repeat that. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel gives you a few things. Number one, they give you great promotions like the one I just told you about. You need to join today as a new customer. FanDuel also gives you a very safe, a very easy, and a very secure app to use from your mobile device. Plus, best part, you get paid instantly. So literally, there is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book, visit fanduel.com forward slash locked on, and you're going to get a no sweat first bet up to 
$500. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. <clears throat> All right. As I meander here into the second segment, I want to uh, kind of remind everybody, Monday, make sure you tune into Locked On USA. I'm going to have as many updates as I can gather from the visitors who are checking out USC uh, this weekend. So make sure you check it out uh, because everybody wants to know what's going on with recruiting. A little earlier, I broke down the wide receiver leaders for USC. That's what we were just talking about. This question is a little bit more specific. Um, it's who are USC's two best receivers against the rest of the field, the rest of the Pac-12? The reason I'm asking this question, I was tooling around on the interweb, and I saw a list put together of the best wide receiver duo. And I was like, hmm, it's not USC. So when I first saw the list, I was like, hmm, no way. But then my objectivity kind of just start to kick in. I said, you know what? USC definitely has the best overall group of wide receivers in the conference. I don't think anybody is going to question that. But do they have the best duo? The top two guys. As I mentioned, Caleb Williams, he has the best overall group. But the Pac-12 has some really good quarterbacks. Uh, in 2023. You've got uh, Michael Penix Jr. up there at Washington. You've got Cameron Rising at Utah. you got Bo Nix uh, over there at Oregon. you got Jaden DeLora at Arizona. And each of those programs have a you know, pretty good group of wide receivers. Nothing like USC's, but, you know, they can kind of stand there and say, hey, we can do this. Uh, so again, I said best duo. Now, when you're looking, when I'm watching the Trojans practice, the field is just littered with wide receivers everywhere. I've mentioned the names already. Mario Williams, Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, Dorian Singer. Um, and then you've got these guys who, you know, kind of help push Kyle Ford and Gary Bryan Jr. to look for uh, open space elsewhere. You've got, you know, I mentioned Michael Jackson III. You've got Kyron Hudson. Um, they're being joined by Zachariah Branch, Makai Lemon from Los Alamitos High School, uh, Makai, Malachi Nelson's number one target when they played together, Deuce Robinson, even though he's technically a tight end. But again, out of that group, which two would you pair up up against Was the Washington Huskies duo of Rome Udense and Jalen McMillan? Each of those guys went over, had over 70 catches and respectively 1,145 yards and 1,098. So roughly 1,100 yards each. That's pretty good production. Here's the thing. Dorian Singer at Arizona had better stats than both of those guys. So assuming that Dorian's performance and numbers carry over from Tucson to L.A., who among Mario and Taj and Brendan and Kyron and you know every Michael Jackson the third and everybody else that I mentioned, 
um, who's going to end up being that that second person? Give me some feedback. Let me know. Oregon, you know, here's their two top guys. Um, you've got Troy Franklin. USC recruited him really heavily. You've got Chris Hudson out of St. John Bosco. Those are their two returning guys. Nice duo. I wouldn't pick those guys over Rome or Jalen or over USC's. Uh, they did bring in a couple of transfers. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tez Johnson and Treshawn Holden. USC fans will not recognize that name from Alabama. But again, I will take USC's duo over any duo from the Ducks. And that's not because I don't like Oregon. That's just because USC's got a better group of receivers to pair up. If you disagree, Oregon fan, tell me why. And you better bring a good explanation, not just because you said so. Uh, I'll tell you who might have the strongest uh, argument in this discussion. Maybe Arizona. Their quarterback, I mentioned, they returned Jaden DeLara. But, you know, you had Dorian Singer. He was paired up last year with Jacob Cowing. Both of those guys uh, went over 1,000 yards. Jacob Cowling returns to Arizona this year. And he also has sophomore Territora uh, McMillan. Everyone knows him as T-Mac. He was, a, he was impressive last year as a freshman. He made some tough catches. We'll see if that carries over. And if it does, I'll be the first one to say, hey, you know what? Maybe he's not a practice player. He's just a gamer. He's got a lot of abilities, what I'm telling you. But after those two guys, after T-Mac and uh, Cowling, Cowing, excuse me, not Al Cowling, after Jacob Cowing, <laughs> uh, Arizona just has a lot of freshmen. And by a lot, I mean 10 of them. <laughs> so maybe that's why uh, Monta uh, Montana Limonius Craig bailed out of Boulder, Colorado and Coach Prime. And he's... I feel very comfortable that he could probably be a starter in Arizona. He's good. Um, I loved watching him when I saw him play uh, on the seven-on-seven -seven circuit before he um, uh, went to Colorado his senior season, after his senior season in high school. It was a while ago, though. So I think Arizona might have the... It would be between USC and Arizona and Arizona if you want to compare them to Washington's top two. And then as far as Utah, uh, they got a bunch of guys, but they definitely don't have, don't have anybody who would go, oh, those are the two guys I want. Um, but they're just a, you know, they get the job done. That's Utah. They um, they get the most out of their talent that they, that they recruit. Former USC wide receiver Munir McLean is over there. Is he going to be their number one guy this year? Here's why USC doesn't have to have the top duo, if that's what we're going to base it on. Um, because Washington has the top two guys, if we're looking at stats. But if you're looking at it from USC's point of view, when you've got more toys to play with, play with them. You don't need to have two guys who just dominate with 70, 75 catches apiece. If you can have four or five guys with 50 catches apiece, I don't know. Does it matter if you have the better duo? Yeah. Give me five over two 
every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So it's Friday. It's time for my rant. I got started a little bit early yesterday. Kind of went off on uh, Nick Saban and his whining about USC's unfair NIL advantages. Yeah, Nick, Nick Saban has this thing about parody. I just don't think he really understands what parody means. <laughs> so, um, anyways, on Thursday, SEC commissioner Greg Sankey, uh, he let reporters know that the Southeastern Conference has approved a temporary eight-game conference schedule for their 2024 season when it welcomes in the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners to the league. As well, in 2024, there will be no more divisions, and it'll just be 16 teams and only eight league games played. Hmm. Now, keep in mind, this is a reminder, USC and LSU are scheduled to kick off the season against each other in 2024 in Las Vegas. That game better not get canceled. That's all I'm saying. I haven't heard anything about it. Just saying. Nor do I want to hear anything about USC's home and home with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss being canceled. I think that starts in 2025 and 2026. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the trip to the Grove. I want to see what that's all about. It's on my bucket list. But I know the Pac-12, Pac-10 before that uh, has killed itself. Right? I understand the argument uh, with the nine game conference schedule, but that's because the SEC likes to cook the books. Not everyone's nine or 10 wins are equal when you look at the out of conference schedules for SEC teams. The top of the SEC with Georgia and Alabama are right now are just probably well they are above ohio state and michigan uh, as far as the top of the conferences are concerned those those four teams are the top of those two conferences but you know it's when you get to the middle and to the bottom of the conferences that's where the differences are and the bottom of the sec or the big is no better than the Pac-12s if you're looking at the schedules. Let me give you an example. Let me put everything into context for you here. Here's a list of conferences with teams playing at least 10 Power 5 opponents in 2023. The Big Ten, 13 of their 14 team members are playing, at least, are playing 10 Power Conference teams or playing 10 Power 5 conference teams. The Big 12, 11 of their 14. The Pac-12, 10 of their 12. And then the AC, 10 of 15. Oh, here comes the SEC. Are you ready for this? Only two of their 14 teams will have 10 games on their schedule from a Power 5 conference. That is a freaking joke. And it's always been like that. And then you hear the SEC fan, you know, they use the same argument, and not plural, same argument. 
it's just the same narrative that they spout from the same manifesto. Well, the SEC is tougher because we play so-and-so who was ranked so-and-so. You know, it's like wash, rinse, repeat year after year. Sorry, just because Mississippi State is number 20 um, with a bunch of nobodies on their auto-conference schedule and they're 4-0 when they play Arkansas, who's also 4-0 or, you know, whoever, um, it doesn't make them, you know, a legitimate top 20 team. It just means they're 4-0 and the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt with a lot of the voters. And what's even worse of how things are done in the Southeastern Conference, I think there's some unwritten rule that their fourth cupcake, because they're only going to play eight conference games, which means they're going to have four out of conference games. That cupcake number four has to be scheduled sometime late in the year before a rivalry game. Look, I get it. It's smart gamesmanship. I mean, it gives their regulars on the roster some rest, and it gives the backups a lot of valuable playing time. But the intent is to get an easy win, inflate the record, and you're doing it with style points. You know, you're, you're running up a score against, you know, an overmatched Austin P, or an Arkansas Pine Bluff, or Alabama's favorite, you know, kick the, you know, kick the baby, the Citadel. I just, you know, whatever. So I, I found this comment kind of uh, amusing. Greg Senke was asked um, this question in response to the argument about a nine-game schedule. Quote, the SEC, is a league at the forefront of college football that does not stand still? <laughs> He's right. Stepping back to eight games is a step backward. So you're not standing still, but you're definitely not going forward. That's my Friday rant. I am so tired of the SEC. I am so happy that USC is joining the Pac, uh, leaving the Pac-12 and going to the big conference because they're going to have everything behind them. No longer can SEC fans say, well, yeah, you play in the Pac-12. You got to schedule, you know, you got to play nine conference games. You got to schedule strong out of conference because you play so-and-so, referring to the Arizona's or the Arizona states, Oregon states of the world. So there you go. My rant is over. So is this episode of Locked on USC. Make sure you come back on Monday. We'll be back. That'll start the week. Another five episodes. That's what we do. Even during the off season. So then until then, everyone, you know what to do.